In developing countries, formal jobs are less of a norm. Social support is much less relevant, and so people do face much more serious and sometimes health and life-threatening disruptions to their livelihoods. Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're talking about jobs and work as a global recession looms. With inflation high and interest rates continuing to rise, the danger of a downturn seems to be growing. In a recession, workers are often let go as sales drop and companies face pressure in meeting margins and repaying their debts. Even some big tech companies are already laying off staff. The impact can depend on things like location, age and skills, but there are still wide disparities in opportunities to find work. In the Eurozone, the average unemployment rate is less than 7%, but in Africa, about one-third of young people have no work, even as the youth population grows rapidly. Aside from statistics, what do tougher times really mean for workers? What support do they need? Are there any bright spots and where? Well, to find out more, joining me now is Jerome Capaldo, an economist at UNCTAD's Globalization and Development Strategies Division. Born in Rome, Jerome has been at the UN for 15 years, is an avid skier and loves country music. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> so every day, We're seeing headlines full of doom and gloom about the economy. Now, are things really as bad as they look for businesses and particularly for workers? Well, surely this has been, as they call it, the most forecast recession ever. And ironically, it has not happened yet. (laughs) And the reasons for which it was forecast to happen was were mainly two. There were those that believed that inflation was going to wreak havoc in the economy and that was going to create serious troubles for companies and they were going to uh, start firing people. And that hasn't happened. And there were those that believed that a new wave of austerity was going to hit the world and it was going to wreak havoc and aggregate demand and in companies' businesses as well. That hasn't happened yet either. Now, all these things might still happen, but the most recent data are actually encouraging. The most recent data on both developed and developing countries, when it comes to manufacturing production, which is the core of the real economy, are looking not bad. In the United States, things seem to be stabilizing. The same thing is happening in most of Europe. China, as an effect of its um, lifting of the COVID measures, has had its best month. And Germany has overcome its cost crisis because of the energy prices going down again. But it's still facing serious challenges and its orders for its export sectors have been going down. So we have to see how that develops. It's um, unclear right now. So some bright spots, perhaps, but there are lots of yets So what are we expecting to see? What kind of impact can we see later this year? Well, the two big questions relate to policy responses. Now, we've seen this increases in in interest rates, and and these are problematic because increases in interest rates, the purpose of, of, of those increases is to slow down the economy, making investments more expensive, and so that people will buy less goods and services, and that it's supposed to cool off, let the economy cool off. 
But in developed countries that might generate their own problems because we don't need necessarily to slow down the pace of employment. But there are a lot of people that were working before uh, that have exited the labor market because they couldn't find the opportunities that they needed. And so that situation is hiding part of the unemployment potential. In developing countries, these interest rates increases are very detrimental because they force these countries to raise their own interest rates and they force them to renegotiate or to roll over their debts at much higher, in some cases, astronomically higher interest rates. This threatens their finances uh, very much. And it, it is a Damocles sword that is about to fall or may fall at any time on their financial stability. We don't know when that situation can happen because financial dynamics are so abrupt sometimes. So we might look at a debt crisis uh, anytime soon. It might not happen this year. It might be put off, but that is something that we're running the very real risk to encounter. And we need appropriate responses. There is another question which has to do with whether fiscal policymakers believe that there is enough employment and so they're going to feel like they can cut some of the spending that has in fact sustained the economy over the past two, three years. Now, the geopolitical situation complicating with the war in the Ukraine and all the responses and that uncertainty has contributed to pushing governments to making some extra spending because of the military, for sure, but also because of the need to respond to the energy crisis, making investments mm -hmm. in renewables. And so that has helped the economy tremendously, and it perspectively looks like it may do much more. But if the response to inflation is a panic and it is uh, taken in the direction of cutting all this spending because of the fear that it may push the economy too hard, that might backfire. Now, take me through the differences, particularly between developed countries and developing countries when it comes to unemployment. Main thing about unemployment in developed countries is that there are people who are on the market looking for a job, for a typically formal job, and they don't find it. So that when that doesn't happen, we see it in the statistics. There is some support, uh, depending on the country, for people who cannot find employment, some financial support, some form of social policy that supports their livelihoods. It can last for, for a few months or it can last for longer. And when it lasts longer, people lose skills. And when they lose skills, then they lose their ability to make an income, to contribute in a satisfying way to, to productivity growth. In developing countries, formal jobs are less of a norm. And so we don't really observe unemployment in the same way. What we also observe is that when people do not find that type of job, if, they, if they're looking for it, then they end up being employed in the informal economies around their village or hometown or their country. Typically, social support is much less relevant. And so people do face much more serious and sometimes health and life-threatening disruptions to their livelihoods. Now, what can governments do then to protect workers and the economy at the same time, especially as you said that so many are already strapped for cash and also struggling with debt? Well, one thing that governments can do, which they have not done in a long time, is to reclaim the responsibility for job creation. And this isn't some socialist statement. This is a necessity because what governments have tended to do in, in the throes of a certain approach to economic policy has been to worry mostly about inflation as the main 
indicator of economic health of a country and to adjust everything else, especially social and fiscal policies, as random counter-cyclical correctives to palliative measures. But in fact, very little stability can happen and very little prosperity can happen if we don't have a stable level of job creation and stable level of employment. Imagine, for example, measures that have been much discussed like, like basic income. Now, basic income is something that we might agree with, we might not agree, but one thing is sure, it doesn't work unless it reaches a proper level of support and that unless the government can sustain it. And the government can only sustain it if it has enough mm -hmm. revenue. Mm -hmm. And it only has enough revenue if there is enough employment. And so certainly governments need to be walking back from this position where they leave job creation exclusively to the private sector, uh, the responsibility for it, and take it back. So what can private companies actually do, though? Private companies should continue doing their job, which is to invest and to employ the workers that are necessary to develop their own productivity, to develop their own skills and ability to produce the things they need to produce. And that is very important. One thing that private companies should do less and less, because that ends up backfiring big time, is to, in fact, focus their activity much more on the financial side of the economy than on the real side of the economy. Now, of course, there are financial businesses whose activity is to buy and sell financial assets, and that's a different story. But a very concerning trend that we've observed and now for at least 20 years is if companies that are involved in real activities such as manufacturing, construction, or commerce, they end up investing their revenues, mostly in financial operations, mm -hmm. and the returns from which do affect the real activities. And that ends up leading to things that do not allow them to invest and hire and develop their human resources in the way that is most conducive to economic prosperity for everybody. Every government needs to borrow to do anything. But for the United States and Germany, borrowing constraints do not exist, basically. But for many other countries, and especially all developing countries, they are very real. And they cannot really keep relying on borrowing if they fear that if a financial crisis happens and all money is pulled out from developing countries, then they are on their own. So we do need a multilateral system to establish rules that prevent that from happening in a reliable way so that if there is a crisis, including a debt crisis, then we do know and everyone knows that there is a system to work it out. If that system isn't there, then everyone will, to the extent possible, try to act on the side of caution and will not borrow and will not invest. And that is bad for everybody. Okay, well, thank you so much, Jeronim. Thank you to UNCTAD's Jeronim Capaldo for being this week's guest. Tune in to the weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now.